Hello, you're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. I'm your host, Lou Rosenfeld. I am joined today by Courtney Maya George. Hi, Courtney. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing as well as, as people are in, in July, well, no, August of 2022. That's not such a bad thing, I suppose. Um, and uh, I am really excited to have you on the show because you're going to be covering some very interesting topics at this year's Design Up Summit. Uh, well, first of all, let me introduce you. Uh, Courtney is a product design leader, mentor, mom of two toddlers, and oh, on the side, manages to be the head of design for the data team at Amplitude. And we have someone in common, that's uh, Bria Alexander, our pal, from uh, who you worked with back at Adobe, where you spent some time, uh, I guess, building a, a design team from scratch. Is that right? Yes, that is. Well, um, Courtney is going to be giving a talk uh, called Scale Your Organization, and grow your designers. She's going to be giving that again at the Design Ops Summit. It's taking place September 8th and 9th. Ooh, it pains me to say this because we were so excited to go to San Francisco, but we've had to cancel the in-person part of the conference. We will still be holding it virtually, and I've got to just say it because people tell me I don't blow our horn enough, but it's a damn good virtual experience. If you're skeptical, if you've not been to one of our virtual conferences, you will be very pleasantly surprised. And then, of course, the content's going to be great. And that takes us back to Courtney. So with that, Courtney, I wanted to dig into this topic because the sense I have from uh, uh, getting to understand it a bit, uh, of you and I talking about it a bit, is that you... Um, tell me if I'm right, you see the role of design ops to some degree as a stabilizer, uh, a stabilizer both in good times and bad. And, I mean, we've all been through the ups and downs just in the last year, even though um, maybe a year ago it was tough in many respects on the planet. One thing that we were seeing was still very rapid growth in design organizations. So you could say those were good times professionally where the problems that design orgs had were really about, well, we're going to find those people. How are we going to onboard them? And now we're moving into this, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how real it is. I know some people are certainly losing their jobs and that's pretty damn real. But I like to think the industry is still pretty healthy overall. There's still hiring going on. But, you know, there's a lot of psychological trauma that people have when suddenly we seem to be moving toward a contraction in the industry, maybe a recession globally. And you have to be a stabilizer then too. Yeah, I think it's the role of any design leader, design ops or in program management to kind of provide that stability for the people on your team, whether that is building out structures and processes or giving them growth opportunities so they have their own either personal or team charter. Um, you know, I was reading a Gallup article where they talk about kind of the four most important things around trust, compassion, hope, um, and, and scalability, or sorry, not scalability, stability. And I, I think that was really insightful for me on how 
everything that we do as design ops leaders needs to kind of tackle those four things in order for the people on our team to kind of feel like they have that stability and growth. So a question about that. I mean, you know, there's stability, as you said, around things like processes and even, um, although I don't love the word platform, uh, but there's also the stability of heart uh, as well as head, the stability of, of being there for people, of making them feel secure, making them feel that they can trust the setting they're working in. And those are, I'm not going to call them soft skills, let's call them people skills. Um, that's really important, obviously, but that's also something that's very hard to scale. And if you're a design ops leader, you might have as much compassion, uh, and you might have endless reserves of compassion, but you only have so many hours in a day. How do you scale that for a larger organization? I think what we've seen in the last few years is the leading with the head is not enough. Um, Leading with the heart can be, I'll say squiggly in some ways, it's hard to measure. Um, But that authenticity that you can bring to the role, even if it is, I only have so many hours in the day, I will accomplish what I can, even just having those types of conversations go a, a long way. And I think where we had talked previously around structure and bringing those kind of processes. Let's say, for example, you're bringing in JIRA to be able to track work. I think before the pandemic, we would have talked a lot about how that helps your cross-functional partnerships, how that's making you know your design team accountable and transparent into the work of designers. Um, but what I realized in kind of my role at Amplitude in bringing that in is it's also a tool to help decrease burnout. It gives you a tool to say, these are all of the things that I'm working on as a designer. I need help taking some of these off my plate. I have too many things where if you didn't have that, there's no evidence, there's no tracking way, and there's no measurable way to be able to actually help yourself with your own well-being. Um, So I think it's just a framing difference on some of the hmm. things that design ops was already doing. Oh, that's interesting. You use the word transparency and I'm thinking um, back to uh, other people in design ops whom I've been speaking with recently. They talk a lot about having transparency into what designers are doing for people in other functions like product managers. Um, this transparency import- that's important for design leaders and managers to have into their own people but what I hear you saying maybe is that we need to, as designers, have transparency into what we're doing. It's almost the ability to step back and see what it is we're about, how we're spending our time, so we understand ourselves and our roles better. Yeah, and I think it. we all get sucked into the day-to-day meetings and the work that we need to get done that's right in front of us. So that transparency does allow you to zoom out for a minute and say, is this what I really need to be doing? Am I only focusing on the urgent items? Am I missing the important items? Uh, Does this align with our team charter or even my own personal career growth? Um, And it's amazing how I've seen even simple structures put in place, help designers and help people on the team kind of start thinking about that for themselves. So let's take that and connect it back to the 
the point we were covering a little earlier about um, uh, scaling that ability to to lead with with heart and to create that sense of stability and, and trust among people. So when you basically use a tool like Jira to help them have insight into what they're doing as designers, does that in turn create some sort of uh, trust or connection uh, that they didn't have before? Or do you have to kind of draw that out for them? I think it's a little bit of both. Some teams and some people are maybe more receptive than others. Um, there are some people that are, I'm going to jump right in. I know this is good for me. I may not know what the outcome is, but I'm kind of looking at it full force. Um, and as they kind of get that positive conditioning, working with their cross-functional partners, working with their managers are seeing the benefits of it. And then there are others where I think need to kind of be proven out on what is the ROI of doing this for myself? Like help convince me that this is actually going to help me. Um, luckily, I think that first group of people who are willing to jump in and do it right away, help kind of prove that out for the second, maybe mm. more people. Oh, so you get like the early adopters and exactly. got it. Okay. Now we were talking also a little earlier about good times and bad. And I imagine it, it, well, maybe I'm wrong about this, but is it much easier to build that sense of trust in the good times? Do they need you as much in the good times? Maybe you don't have the opportunities. I, I think it's easier in the good times, providing you're still at a company that is stable or you feel like you have that job security. I think there are more facets to have to feel that stability now. Um, and I think instability is just kind of always bubbling under the surface or even is at the surface right now, emotionally, mentally, home life, professional life, everything is kind of just always at that breaking point where maybe in the good times for some people, certain things were maybe more stable than others. And so I think really being cognizant of that as a leader and knowing your team really well, knowing what they're going through, maybe beyond just the professional world is extremely important because you might have to hit on how can I provide that stability in different ways for different people, depending on what they're going through. Well, that comes back then to that, that whole point of scalability then, right? So you're talking about getting to know people um, and they're different and you want to be able to understand them as people. But let's say you're in an organization with 100 designers and researchers or more. How do you get to that point or is it a distributed model where you, um, as a design ops leader, are, are working with team leaders and they are working in turn with their people and so forth. And it becomes a big cascade of, of connections. Yeah, I think it is that second, that second way, which is you need to be able to trust your leaders to be providing for that for their smaller team. But it's on you as if you're a leader of, you know, many different teams in a large organization, what are the values? What are the principles that you're living by that you expect your organization to live by? How are you leading by example? And then that starts to trickle down. If you're working 60 hours a week, constantly slacking people, even if you don't expect a response back, 
you're already kind of setting the tone for how your leadership style is perceived, the values that you um, are putting out there. So I think you do have to be the higher up you get, I think the more conscious you have to be about how you're leading by example. Got it. Um, this is great. I have so many more questions for you. I have to catch my breath, but that means it's a good time. Take a quick break. You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. We'll be right back. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want more, not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive, we have something that's very current, very alive, and very engaging for groups, and that is our communities. Rosenfeld Media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to UX people, ranging from enterprise experience to advancing research to design and research operations. I want to encourage you to join one of our communities. Again, it is free by going to rosenfeldmedia.com slash communities. Not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in, ask questions and so forth, we'll give you access to the recordings. And uh, for some of those communities, we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators. You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists for each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when, programs, uh, when programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale, and by the way, most of our conferences sell out, and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. You're gonna find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the Rosenfeld Review. Lou Rosenfeld here talking with Courtney Maya George, head of design data at Amplitude. We're digging into the topic of her talk at this year's Design Ops Summit, Scale Your Organization and Grow Your Designers. Courtney, so one of the things that I keep coming back to again and again as we talk about hmm, these, I guess, bad times that have followed what seemed like good times uh, is the illusion of uncertainty. Like, or no, I'm sorry. It's actually, I got it backwards. It's the illusion of certainty. So I feel this a lot right now, and I know a lot of people do, that you can't really make plans now because who the hell knows if you're going to be able to get on a plane or if you're going to be able to commit to that hire or whatever it might be because everything seems so up in the air. It's disconcerting. And then I wonder, well, hasn't it really always been that way beneath the surface? Things could always change. Uh, maybe it just seems like they're constantly changing because the rate is faster. I don't know. I just wonder if like we've been um, sort of fed a line of sorts that, that things were more certain than they really were. And I'm wondering if, if that's the kind of, uh, case in a sense that leaders design ops or otherwise, uh, need to start making to people. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I think I live my life 
maybe because I had the the wool pulled from my eyes a, a little early on um, that I know how uncertain life can be. Um, and I bring that in and the importance of resiliency is critical, I think, to be successful, to be even happy, just to live live your life. Um, so I think when the pandemic happened, maybe that illusion got dropped for people that maybe would have been able to have that illusion of certainty a little bit longer. Um, and what I feel maybe my role in that as a design leader is to help build the resiliency. What does it mean to go through your professional life in these uncertain times? Does it ever actually be, is it ever actually certain? You could always have a reorg. You could always potentially, you know, lose your job, the company. There's a lot of different uncertain things that could happen that maybe we choose not to see or we don't need to see, but it's always there. Um, so in the good times, it might be easier to focus on the strengths that you have and we frame it in different ways. But I think in the bad times or especially during this pandemic, it's more about um, it's more direct around the resiliency that you have to build. I think there's a lot more uh, people understand understand the resiliency that they need to have. And I keep saying that word because I can't think of another one. But um, I, I do think that grit and being able to have that thick skin and think about what are the strengths that I can rely on as a person? Where do I want to grow as a person? What does this career mean for me? Are all conversations that design leaders should be having with their people. So how do you help them if not become more resilient, maybe a better way to look at it is is to kind of grow into their natural resiliency. Yeah, I think my leadership style has always been push people slightly outside of their comfort zone. Mm. Because I think you then start to realize, oh, I could actually do this. It's scary. But if I know that I have the trust and the support of my manager, that if I fail, I'm not going to lose my job. Or if I fail, they're there to help me. Um, I think that naturally starts to show them, hey, you can do this. You have that natural resiliency. I'm just going to try to push it out of you a little bit more than maybe you feel comfortable with initially. Yeah. You know, I've seen, I think you, that makes perfect sense. And you know, pushing them to be a little uncomfortable, you know, giving them a little slack to to screw up on occasion. Uh, that's how you learn. Um, do you feel like there's a, a connection between what we're talking about here in terms of building resiliency and accepting um, our own, this is common among many of us, imposter syndrome? Yes, I think... The imposter syndrome is very much a self-critic. Mm -hmm. It's your own inner critic. I have it. You have it. Everyone has it, maybe in varying degrees. I think sometimes it's really nice to have somebody else believe in you and to have somebody else say, I'm going to be that person that's going to give you the self-assurance for this moment. And I'm going to say something that maybe just quiets your inner critic for a few minutes and to 
sometimes everyone needs just that little external validation. Um, and I think that actually goes a longer way than maybe I realized when I was just starting out as a design leader. And especially during the pandemic times, I'm seeing how important and how those little things can really go a, a long way in helping somebody reach their potential and find that natural resiliency. You know, it's so interesting here. You might, um, someone, someone who's listening to this podcast uh, based on the description, the title might have said, oh, this is a podcast about design operations. And this particular one is really uh, design psychology, maybe, maybe design therapy. It's so interesting. But I want to actually... Uh, take a, a slight turn because you, you work at Amplitude and, and you've got data in your job titles. It's a data-driven environment, I'm sure. Uh, but when it comes, to, but you're also talking about psychology and we're talking about things that aren't always either measurable or obviously measurable. So long story short, how do you know when you've been successful in your role as a design ops leader who is trying to help people in these ways that we're talking about here, which are often, again, psychological. Yeah, I think right now I focus mostly on qualitative feedback. Mm -hmm. I think anecdotes, hearing, we have like a kudos channel at work and we try to give um, props to people in our team. So we do it a lot more anecdotally. Uh, I'm still trying to crack the code on how do you quantitatively measure something like this. I don't think there is an easy way. There's always a risk of if you go too quantitative, have you lost the heart that this all started with? Um, so I think there is kind of a blend that you have to find. There's things like engagement surveys, being able to measure, you know, from now to a year from now, has different scores gone up or down? So there, there's definitely ways, um, but I, I would love to chat more with other people who have maybe tried different things because I think I'm still in that experimenting phase to see how to really measure something like this. Well, um, let's leave the quant side out for a moment. What's a nice, uh, more purely qualitative story you could tell about uh, a moment you knew you were on the right track with your team? Um, you know, I think it was when I had a designer tell me that they feel the support to be able to push back and that setting boundaries is a skill that they've realized that they need to have and that they feel much safer being able to do that when they have the support of me being able to come in and you can push back. If somebody needs to escalate, I will have your back and I will be there. Um, and so just getting that nice feedback from that designer was showed me that I was on the right track. Courtney, your, your talk at the Design Up Summit is going to be golden. I mean, uh, whether someone is a quant or a qual, whether they're a psychologist or a, uh, an engineer of design operations, I think they're going to get a lot out of it. Before we wrap up, um, in true Rosenfeld Review tradition, I will ask you what gift you've brought for our listeners today, a book, uh, a podcast, a person, something or someone that uh, deserves a little attention from our listeners. Yes, I think the book that I have really enjoyed as a design leader is called The Coaching Habit. 
um, by Michael Bungay Stanier. And it goes into kind of seven questions that you can ask your employees, your colleagues as a way to get more out of your conversations with them and coach without giving advice and kind of how do you draw that boundary of helping somebody figure something out for themselves and how best to structure your questions accordingly. Well, you know, that that's perfect because, uh, well, I don't want to get in trouble here, but isn't a coach just a well-paid psychologist? Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> Courtney Maya George, thank you so much for joining us today in the Rosenfeld Review. Uh, it's been a great to have you. I'm really looking forward to your talk at the Design Up Summit. That, again, folks, is purely virtual, but fantastic nonetheless, taking place September 8th through 9th. Uh, with a great lineup, including uh, our guest today, Courtney George. Thanks again, Courtney. Great to talk with you. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Lou. Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld Review, brought to you by Rosenfeld Media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen, and check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at rosenfeldreview.com.